Welcome back to Aura for day two of the Waterline Summit 2021 and the theme Energy Transition Day. Also appropriate as the government announced that the East Coast cluster has been selected as one of the UK's first of two carbon capture and storage projects. So I'm Emma Tolson, I'm Lead Stakeholder Advisor for Ersted in the UK. Right, well we know you obviously for, for wind energy, but you are particularly focusing on hydrogen today. So how does that fit into your story? Yeah, so today, I mean we talk a lot about offshore wind, so today we did something a little bit different and talk about the new opportunity that we're seeing in green hydrogen. So this is where you would produce hydrogen using offshore wind to power electrolyzers and the electrolyzers would split water into hydrogen and oxygen. So then you can take that hydrogen and you can use that as a clean fuel in some of the sectors that are really quite hard to abate. Um, so for instance things like you know heavy industry, long-ranging heavy transport, uh, transport um, and heat. Um, because those areas it's very you wouldn't easily be able to directly electrify them. When you think of the sort of energy required on something like an oil refinery um, or glass manufacturing or steelworks or whatever, um, directly electrifying industries like that is really, really hard. But if you can substitute a hydrogen demand in those with a clean source, then you can ultimately decarbonise that heavy industry. And as we know in the Humber, we've got the highest carbon emissions in the country by quite a quite a country mile and so I think this is a great opportunity to really look at the the sort of coupling of having one of the biggest offshore wind clusters just off the estuary at the same time as decarbonising one of the sort of biggest sort of industrial clusters in the industry. Bring those together and actually tackling these these real issues around decarbonisation and climate change. And to make that work, what sort of infrastructure will you need in terms of will there be a sort of a pooled approach to a sort of a hydrogen grid to make this work or will you have a bespoke network? So um, there are um, many different projects on the go in the Humber at the moment um, exploring hydrogen potential and they also... I mean, we're particularly interested in green hydrogen via electrolysis, but then there's also other projects exploring the potential for blue hydrogen. And all of these different things need different um, infrastructure. And I think probably the thing to say is it's probably a little bit early days. There's a lot of studies going on. So, for instance, our Gigastack project, we've really looked at what would you need to do to enable this kind of green hydrogen from the Hornsey to um, offshore wind project going into Philips 66 using ITM's electrolyzers. And so we've looked at the particular infrastructure required for that project. I think with green hydrogen, you, you'd be able to deploy that quite quickly, you know, if it, if it all worked out and it was... Um, you know the economics work out well and things um, so I think there's there will be future there will be future infrastructure requirements but I think you're kind of probably in a slightly early phase of understanding exactly what they look like um, and how they would be delivered um, but I think the encouraging thing in the Humber is um, there's lots of different minds <laughs> and organizations and different backgrounds looking at this to decarbonize this estuary um, and ultimately, that's a really positive thing because it, ne it needs to happen. Um, we've got to get 
to net zero by 2050. And with the Humber being such a large carbon emitter, it needs to happen in the Humber. Um, and likewise, if, if we manage to do it in the Humber, then that's a fantastic model of how it can be done in other places too. Because yeah. you have this amazing cluster here, you've got initiatives like the water line. Yeah. I mean, does that help to have this sort of hothouse of ideas and mm. energy? Yeah, so Ersted have been, we started to invest in the Humber getting on for about a decade ago with one of our first wind farms, the westernmost rough wind farm. Um, and one of the things that we've really enjoyed is joining with an estuary, yes, as a location to operate our wind farms and also to be able to interact with a broader supply chain, but also the, the real spirit of collaboration that there is around, around the estuary. Um, so it's things like, yes, the supply chain companies, but it's also thing, um, organisations like Marketing Humber, like Team Humber Marine Alliance, like Grimms Renewables Partnership, which are bringing the people together. And then you've got also, uh, sorry, the, the supply chain together, but then you've also got things like the university around the innovation side. You've got the sort of infrastructure providers. And it feels to me like we do a very good job in the Humber of collaborating together, talking to each other, really looking at the issues that need to be solved um, and coming together around them. And, and so in that 10 years that we've, we've been here, we've got, you know, first of all, welcomed very well, <laughs> um, but also the ability to participate um, and be part of that sort of broader Humber collaboration. I think Marketing Humber do a fantastic job of, of really being at the centre of, of, of quite a lot of this collaboration. David Theakston, Project Development Engineer for VPI Immingham. Day to day, I basically look at uh, engineering and technical opportunities for the, uh, for the existing VPI uh, CHP facility, so combined heat and power plant. Um, that can be anything from you know, modifications on, say, a water treatment plant to the big project which I'm involved with, which is Humber Zero. So what does that mean for you in terms of the likely changes, transition, new technologies you're going to be taking advantage of? So it, it, it's a, you're absolutely right, it is a transition because the, um, the power industry, uh, the, the sort of skill sets that you use in, in that power industry are needing to transition to more of a, an oil and gas or a petrochemical type industry um, with the development of post-combustion carbon capture. So, so there is this... There is a, a learning curve for all the guys, the team as well, the site team that look after the existing uh, power plant, is to, to actually learn about the, the new processes and new techniques and technologies that we're going to be adapting for this project. So, so what are you likely to be focusing on first? What are the likely stepping stones? Um, so the, likely st the, 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 the very current uh, stepping stones or what we're looking at at the moment is a technology provider so that is a that is the um, as I mentioned the, the, the retrofitting of the existing plant with uh, with post combustion carbon capture technology so we're working with uh, a number of um, companies that have actually developed this technology over a period of decades um, for use in the oil and gas industry so the stepping stones at the moment is very much the guys engaging with these companies and learning as much as they can quickly and, and getting up to speed and understanding how how that will integrate into an existing facility. Mm. And uh, how important is it for you that you're here in the Humber, there's a very powerful cluster, a lot of energy, literally and uh, metaphorically, uh, uh, and that there's a network being developed for carbon capture and storage? Yeah, it's it's really important to be in the Humber. I think um, 
the the geological formations and on the at the offshore assets makes the Humber the ideal location for this type of technology to be developed because it means that we've got multiple stores to be able to store the CO2 over long over long periods of time um, and so I mean you, you said it yourself it's the energy estuary I think people use that term quite a lot um, and it's because there is that mix you know you've got you've got the offshore wind you've got uh, large industry and you've got combined heat and power plants like the VPI immune facility. And um, for you, if you were to pick on one thing what, what is it about all of this that is most stimulating for you? What's, what's most stimulating for me is to see that um, the, the job opportunities that are going to come, come forward as part of the, all this development work. I've worked in the, the Humber for 25 years at various locations along the Humber Bank and never ever seen it where there's the amount of job opportunities that are coming to the fore and high skilled jobs so you know the, the guys that will be you know coming out of university to be able to get onto graduate schemes but also apprentices that are going to be coming out of school and wanting to get technical apprenticeships and, and work their way up like I did. <laughs> so really there's going to need to be a great effort to ensure we've got enough people with the right skills to meet the demand that's, that's bubbling up now. That, that's exactly right and that's that's where we need you know we need to you know, work with people like the Aura Centre, like Hull University, like like the schools and colleges in the region to make sure that we've we've got the training courses in place to, to basically upskill the young people of tomorrow. So I, my name is Jenny Sutcliffe. I'm the Principal Consultant Regulatory Affairs for Philips 66 at the Humber Refinery. Just very briefly, the Humber Zero project, how do you fit into that and, and what is it? Humber Zero project is a carbon capture project for both the Philips 66 Humber refinery and the VPI VTOR combined heat and power plant at Immingham. I fit into it um, because I'm basically involved in overseeing the regulatory issues, the government affairs and the health, safety and environmental issues associated with the development of the project. And how much of a challenge is it for a company like Philips to be transitioning now away from fossil fuels to other alternatives and also to looking how it can um, use carbon capture as one of the tools at its disposal. So we talk about the uh, refinery of the future which is a model developed by a, one of the European uh, uh, technical organisations but we're very much bought into that so um, we've been supplying fuels that have helped our economy for decades and decades um, and we're going to continue to need fuels and energy um, to some degree. Uh, it's possible that hydrocarbons remain a part of that but largely we're looking towards processing new feedstocks, recycled feedstocks, biofuels, renewable fuels, whatever you want to call them, lower carbon fuels um, at the front end of the refinery to reduce lower carbon products at the back end of the refinery. Um, and in addition to changing the feedstocks, the other things that we can do are use green hydrogen in the process or blue hydrogen. Using hydrogen, combusting hydrogen just produces water, not carbon dioxide. So if we use that in our processes for the energy input, that will decarbonize our processes. And then for any of the CO2 emissions that we do still produce, we can capture those and put them into transportation and storage network and store them in uh, old oil and gas reservoirs in the North Sea. Uh, and how important is it that um, here on the Humber we're, we're seeing the development of a network for carbon capture and the distribution of, of hydrogen that you can plug into something like that? 
It's hugely important. So the infrastructure needed for both carbon capture and for hydrogen are not there yet. There are some parts of it, so the oil, the old oil and gas storage are ready-made almost storage sites for carbon dioxide. They do need some, uh, some work to make them uh, suitable. Um, and make them oper operable um, but also there's the pipelines that go with that um, it's a big job um, and the same on hydrogen uh, really you're looking at hydrogen potentially ultimately being there for fueling cars for heating homes um, and developing a network much like uh, the natural gas network that we currently have that's a that's a really big job um, and we really want to be part of the first stepping stones to make that possible in the Humber region um, and from there the network can be built. Um, the Humber obviously is an ideal location for it because of the industry that we already have um, and we can really develop a blueprint for that in, in this region. I, I know it's challenging, it's a challenging time but it's also a huge opportunity. How stimulating is it for you to be involved in this transition? It's massively stimulating. Um, it's a topic that has been there since I was at school and actually when I think about it, it is the reason that I went to do chemical engineering and went to work in the oil and gas industry because I could see even then that supply of energy is such an essential issue to our society today. It really does, it doesn't just enhance lives, it really in many cases gives life. Um, where you need energy through you know through hospitals ambulances refrigerators that store vaccines which is very topical and um, all of these things um, really do uh, provide life for people so it's such an essential topic but i could also see that climate change is a big problem that needs to be solved and i wanted to be working in that industry to be helping find that solution so it's yeah it's really great to be actually working on some of these projects that are going to deliver action on this and going to be able to then be scaled up um, uh, and really make a, a big difference for achieving net zero globally. I'm Sophie Almadalal um, and I'm a PhD student in the Aura Centre for Doctoral Training. So what are you doing for your PhD first of all? So um, my background is in marine biology um, so my project investigates um, whether there are any impacts that can be seen from the noise levels that are produced from offshore wind installation, operation, decommissioning um, on marine invertebrates that live within the sediment. Um, so yeah, we're investigating what impacts might occur and whether we can do anything in the future to reduce these. Because mm. well, we are building not one but two <laughs> of the world's biggest wind farms just off the coast. Yeah. Here. So I guess there's a lot to learn for similar developments around the, the world. Have you got any early indications from what you've been seeing? Um, so at the moment it's very early on um, in the calibration of the experimental stuff that I'm doing. Mm. Um, I'm using certain equipment that I'm actually creating the sounds, so that's been a long process of calibration. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, we're hoping that we can um, do some pilot experiments in the next few months. Um, to see if there are any clear signs. Um, but like you say, the, there's lots of um, turbines already in the water, but we're thinking about how, how the expansion of offshore wind developments are gonna grow in, mm. in the next few years for net zero to, to be um, 
successful. Um, so it's yeah, it's a thing that we need to look into as soon as possible. Mm. You, you took part in the panel this morning. Mm. What were the things that struck you about the conversation there? Um, so I really enjoyed. Um, it's the first of the uh, kind of things that I've done, and it was really exciting to meet um, people from Siemens and Orsted and um, Humber Zero and hearing all of these projects I think it's really exciting and really great um, to, to get that knowledge exchange between people. I think the biggest thing that stood out for me is that um, uh, collaboration has to occur from different kind of disciplines and different areas of, of um, research um, to make these projects successful in the future um, and also that there are so many opportunities for people like me that probably years ago didn't think that I'd go into offshore wind but um, there's lots of opportunities for people that um, are from different disciplines and um, there are pathways to take to, to go into this sector which is going to be huge. <laughs> mm. And how big a driver is climate change for you in your studies and your career path? Mm, huge, yeah. Um, as I said on the panel, um, it's always been something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I've always been obsessed with marine life and then um, obviously going through an undergraduate degree you hear climate change, you hear all these awful things that are happening and um, it really is the time that we need to, to actually do something about it. So it's a huge driver for me in my research um, and it's really important for me that offshore wind continues to develop because um, I think that's the 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 direction that we need to go in to, to meet these targets um, but at the same time it's important to me for the environment to be protected as well so mm. a balance between the two would be incredible I think. Mm. And how concerned are you at the current trends that we're seeing with continuing rises in carbon dioxide fueling um, rising temperatures we're likely to overshoot 1.5 mm. contributing to sea level rise extreme weather Oh, it's really, honestly, really worrying. Um, I, yeah, I think it's it should be at the forefront of many people's um, minds and many companies and organisations. And I think it's great to hear so many people working together towards um, a goal of decarbonisation because it is, um, if we don't do something now, I'm not being pessimistic, but it could get um, very dangerous and um, a lot worse in the future. Mm. So, yeah. Less than two weeks to COP. What mm -hmm. are your hopes about what that might achieve? I think um, I think most importantly to get the conversation going, um, to bring all of these organisations together. And um, I know I keep saying that collaboration is a massive part of of the success in the future, um, and to to, to bring uh, climate change to an end, hopefully. Um, so I think collaboration. I think. Um, getting the word out um, and yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. exciting. I mean, do you think, would you be fair to sum up to say that whilst you have clear concerns, mm. you have optimism born out of seeing that we are capable of addressing this? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I think the willingness that you see uh, for, I, I mean, there's so many organisations that have done a 360 and they, they were in non-renewables and now they've come to renewables and I think that's really encouraging. And um, it's clear that, clear that companies and um, programmes like Aura are really keen to, to advance the, the, uh, the goal of net zero as much as they can. And I think that is really encouraging. And I, I would be, I 
tentatively optimistic. <laughs> uh, my name is Danielle Smith. I'm the Aura CDT Programme Manager at the University of Holm. So what does that mean? What, what, what's your day-to-day? So my day-to-day is supporting PhD students onto research projects that are um, both rooted in academic and industry um, research development for the offshore wind energy sector. Right. I was going to ask you about that. So the offshore wind energy sector, I mean, Britain has, I think, one of the highest percentages of offshore wind in the world. And we've got these massive... Uh, world-beating uh, installations of the East Coast. So what does that mean in terms of the skills and the demand that's coming through? So we need to expand the skilled uh, workforce in offshore wind energy really quickly. Um, we need a, a diverse range of people and skills to go into that for us to hit those t- targets that are set by both government and, and society, really. And so what we do is we feed into that to train people um, in a range of skills from biologists, marine biologists, um, to engineers, physicists and computer scientists to all come together so that we can um, develop solutions that are sustainable long term. So what we don't want to do is get into the boat of of introducing new problems that we need to sort out later. So we're very much centred and focused on um, training students and um, professionals that that are able to lead us together to find those solutions. And we're very much rooted in um, collaborative working with both industry and academia. And we're working with our students so that they gain those skills to do that. We see so many new projects on the horizon tens of thousands of jobs being created is there going to be a skills crunch wow that's a interesting question um i think if we can really focus resources um, and recognize that this is something that we need to invest in i think we can get there but we we do need the investment and we need to work with communities to understand how they can join that workforce as well so i think offshore wind energy is is a new area and and a lot of people don't know how they can support it so it isn't just engineers but it's a whole host of skills right from those that are that are working in the manufacturing industry right up to those that are the engineers and those that are the marine biologists to make sure that we're getting there and i think that's the key is is bringing people into the sector so that they know that they can join it too. And I guess we're focused on the building and commissioning of offshore uh, wind farms at the moment, but we're then going to get into a mature phase of maintaining, developing and enhancing that. Absolutely. So it isn't just about um, developing new wind turbines. We also need to think about operational aspects, but but even so, we need to think about decommissioning. So these um, structures will have a lifetime and we want to draw them out for as long as we can, but, but decommissioning is also very important. It's around the corner, for certainly, for, for some of those wind farms. So the, it, it isn't just the engineers that end the, the operational aspect. You're absolutely right. Maintenance um, is, is certainly going to be a big part of that workforce. And how do we get them out there safely? And how do we coordinate it? And the logistics involved in it. So there's a whole range of skills that we need. Given the uh, sector you're in, the challenges we face, do you feel part of the army, I'll use that word, of people around the world helping us tackle climate change? Absolutely. I think it's just so important that we we work together. It isn't just a local issue, it's a global issue and it's something that we have to... um, 
tackle together. I mean, we need to do it now. There's, there's no later now, but it's, it's now. And I feel really quite privileged to be working within a group uh, and a university that really prioritises this and, and a sector that's working hard together to, to come up with the answers. And the Waterline Initiative, you're here taking part in uh, some of the uh, events here. Um, I mean, it's a really interesting initiative and one which seems to be leading the UK. I mean, what's your impression? I think there's lots of opportunity for the Humber to lead on this. We're well positioned. We've got lots of expertise and lots of industry to work with as well. Um, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for us to come together to talk about not only what we're doing but what we need to be doing. Um, I feel like we are at the heart of the change that's coming in the energy sector and I'm, I'm really proud to be part of that. My name is Matt Scar. I'm from Design Signage Solutions. Uh, we offer signage solutions to commercial, sport and vehicle um, across the country. So can I ask you why you're here today? Yeah, we're very interested in the company as becoming more sustainable. Um, how we can do that as an individual company and also our clients that we help service. If there's a way that we can help them become more carbon neutral um, and help do our bit really is very important to us. Because I guess the point is, companies large and small, uh, whatever step they take is a step in the right direction. It is, yeah. We as a business, we've taken a lot of different steps. So we print with latex instead of harmful PVC. We're making more steps to ensure that our clients use recyclable materials. Um, we have solar paneling on all of our roofs. Um, so, we, you know, we're doing our bit as a business, but we want to further educate ourselves and also see if we can help clients go in that direction as well. My name's Mark Clue and I work for Air Products. Air Products is the uh, the world's largest supplier of hydrogen, so uh, both blue, green and, and the old-fashioned grey. So we're very interested to see how we can help companies decarbonise uh, in the region. And hydrogen is a massive part, uh, or, or a dominating part, of one of the solutions being looked at uh, for so many things. So I guess an exciting and a challenging time for you. There's a lot of challenges, but there's also a lot of opportunities. As you say, hydrogen is going to be you know, one of the many different solutions that's, that's needed to tackle the, uh, the problems ahead. Um, and there's a number of different aspects with hydrogen to take into account. And it's growing, and people are learning and developing what's the best solutions said every day. So coming along to events like this to listen to what people's views are is very interesting. And we've got an interesting cluster here in the, the Humber, particularly when it comes to hydrogen, we've got supplies of uh, renewable energy, we've got the gas out in the North Sea. Uh, so is this also strategically a good place for you? Uh, potentially very strategic. So, um, you know, a lot of the investment is going to be driven by what government incentives put in place. Um, we're a large multinational company. Uh, we're, we're leading in this sector uh, and we'd be very happy to, to invest significant amounts of money in the region so, um, if the incentives and, and if the customer base demand it. It's going to be more questions, investment uh, and support of, 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 of government. Um, they seem to make the right noises. What, what are you looking for? The government's going out to consultation as we talk. Uh, they're making lots of positive noises. Uh, we'll have to see, you know, the proof will be in the pudding, so what comes out. Um, but hopefully, if the government delivers on what they're saying they're going to do, uh, then that will create the right incentives and that should allow a lot of the building blocks to fall into place. And from your perspective, from your company, uh, what are the exciting developments you're looking for? What, what excites you most about the uh, potential on the horizon? A uh, tough question. Um, yeah, I, I think the fact that so many people are talking about hydrogen and how it can be used 
and coming together. Um, when you actually pull the very different sectors together, uh, there's some very interesting solutions that are on the table. So being able to explore those and talk about them in, in groups is, is very exciting. And the fact that the Humber seems to have got its act together, we've got the Waterline Initiative been going on for a few years now, uh, a sort of an umbrella, if you like, for, for a lot of the clusters, a lot of the thought, a lot of the partnership and, and dialogue. How important is it to have that? Oh, it's vital. I think you know, what Humberside is doing, together with some of the other uh, carbon clusters around the country, you know, they're putting a lot of pressure uh, on the government. They're bringing a lot of industry together uh, to bring the ideas out into the open so that they're being discussed. So, and only when you get all the different players talking about what the challenges are so, and what other parts of uh, you know, government or industry or society as a whole can do, can you then work out what the path is in order to unlock the solutions. And similarly for you, what's it like to be able to tap in to the expertise, support and partnership that the Waterline offers? Yeah, it's vital. There's a local business in the area. We need that. We need that support. We need educating, if I'm honest. Um, I think a lot of businesses need that education as well. So events like this only serve to help that purpose. You know, I think working nationally is fantastic. We can be a, a beating drum, really, for everything that's going on in the Humber, really shout about what's going on as a passionate local business. We need to do that as well and celebrate what's happening here. And we'll be back tomorrow for the Clean Road Transport Day. I'm Jonathan Levy with The Waterline Live. Thanks for listening.